engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. It's nine after the hour. I am Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News. The phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can get the show notes by texting the word show to 444-999. You'll get my daily email. And y'all... We'll do what we did last night. If you've got a cooking question, I'll take it. Uh, you can call in, but I'm not starting with cooking tonight. We have a lot of news, including out of the gate, this Braves news. I wonder if the Braves, I mean, shouldn't they pay something to the taxpayers of Cobb County? They got the county, they got the state, they got themselves involved in building SunTrust Stadium and the like, that entire property up there. And now they've essentially ensured that they're going to be the worst team in uh, Major League Baseball for the next several years through cheating. They cheated. The general manager, former general manager, Coppola, he is banned for life from baseball. Gordon Blakely, he's suspended for a year. A lot of their their star picks, including um, Kevin, what is it, May 10, he's gone. Well, at least they're going to, yeah, they are going to lose him. So what did they do? Essentially, the Braves, uh, the Braves field management, uh, their general manager, their operations officials, they conducted deals with sports agents. Well, let me just read you um, the statement from the from uh, the commissioner. The investigation established that the Braves circumvented international signing rules from 2015 through 2017. During the 15-16 international signing period, the Braves signed five players subject to the club's signing bonus pool to contracts containing signing bonuses lower than the bonuses they agreed to pay the players. The club provided the additional bonus money to those players by inflating the signing bonuses to other players exempt from their signing pool because they qualified as foreign professionals under Major League Baseball rules. Consistent with the rules, the Braves could have signed all of the players for the full actual signing bonus amount. But had they signed the players to the contracts with their actual bonuses, they would have exceeded their signing bonus pool by more than 5% and would have been restricted from signing any players in the next two signing periods for contracts with bonuses more than $300,000. So as a result of what they did, they were able to sign nine high-value players during the 16-17 signing period who would have been unavailable to them had the club accurately accounted for the signings during the 15-16 period. They were um, a number of players that they signed, and then they entered into additional agreements in 2016-2017. Uh, and what they did is they they promised players money. And when they put the contract in writing, the money that they gave the player was less than what they promised. So then what they did is they paid other players more money than they should have been should have been given. And that excess was actually paid to the sports agents. And all the money flowed through the sports agents who then rearranged it and gave the players the amount the Braves had promised them, but for the contracts. Really against the rules. I mean, completely, uh, just absolutely knowingly willful violations of the rules to get around caps. 
And what did we have to show for this? Not a very good season. They went through all of this, and we got the season we got. Think about that for a minute. They went through all of this, through 15 and 16 and in 17, and this is what we got, the season we had. And now they've got a stadium. Oh, and by the way, the sanctions. Well, wait till you hear the sanctions. So they have done a couple of things. They've invalidated a couple of contracts. They have made a couple of people free agents. And that undoes the damage. But because this was willful and knowing, and they did it intending to circumvent the system, Major League Baseball is imposing penalties on the club itself. So they're going to be prohibited from signing any international players for more than $10,000 during the 1920 signing season. That's the first signing period. They're not going to be subject to signing restrictions. The Braves International Signing Bonus Pool for the 2021 signing period is going to be reduced 50%. Now here's the language in this, from the Major League Baseball Commissioner, the investigation determined the Braves offered impermissible, bene impermissible benefits, which were never provided, to a player they selected in the first-year player draft in an attempt to convince him to sign for a lower bonus. As a penalty for the club's attempted circumvention involving a draft selection, the Braves will forfeit their third-round selection in the 2018 first-year player draft. With respect to individual discipline, former Braves general manager John Coppola is to be placed on permanent ineligible as banned for life. Former Braves special assistant Gordon Blakely will be suspended for a year. Won't perform any services for any baseball club. And there will be other Braves international baseball operations employees to be punished once a further investigation is concluded and the player association players association is going to look into dealing with the sports agents who collaborated with the Braves. I mean, this is wholesale blatant willful cheating by the home team. They cheated. It's not that they tried to rig the game. It's that they ignored the game, went around it, and tried to get out of the rules. Not good. And they're going to be punished for it severely. I mean, now, take heart. Maybe this could wind up like the Astros, which, I mean, lost everything a few years ago and suddenly won the World Series. I doubt it, though, because the Astros didn't do something like this. Now, listen, I realize this is not a sports talk show, but this is big news for us. We got a big, brand-new stadium on the north side of town, funded in part with your tax dollars, and we've got a team that is not going to be doing very well for the next several years, more likely than not. And they're not going to be doing well for the next several years because they're going to be punished by Major League Baseball for cheating. There's a... I mean, wow. The, the, there are tax consequences to this. If revenue dips in the restaurants up around SunTrust Field, the attendance of the games could be impacted. Uh, this was a big bet by Cobb County taxpayers. Well, really, without the consent of Cobb County taxpayers, it was the Cobb County Commission that did it without a vote by the taxpayers to bring the Braves up there from Turner Field. They invested a lot of money in it. The state invested money in upgrading the infrastructure around the area. And then the Braves cheated. 
and are now going to be punished accordingly for their cheating, uh, there will be local ramifications for this beyond just the ball field. I uh, wonder how this will impact the businesses of the restaurants who invested up there and everything else. This fallout's pretty consequential, and it's worth paying attention to in the long haul as this story continues to play itself out. It's 25 after the hour. Phone lines are open. 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. There is some breaking news at this moment. Uh, that I need to pull up right here. Um, Uber has been concealing for a year a cyber attack that exposed 57 million people's data. Hackers stole the personal data of 57 million customers and drivers from Uber, a massive breach concealed for more than a year. This week, uh, ride-hailing company ousted Joe Sullivan, its chief security officer, and one of his deputies for their roles in keeping it under wraps. Compromised data from the October 2016 attack included names, email addresses, and phone numbers of 50 million Uber riders around the world. The personal information of about 7 million drivers was accessed as well, including 600,000 driver's licenses, no social security numbers, credit card details, trip location info, or other data, including passwords, was taken. Well... Some of you can breathe a little more of a sigh of, sigh of relief, but still, they got your phone numbers and email addresses. All of that stuff can be correlated with other data. Um, not a good, not a good situation. Hackers have infiltrated other companies lately of late as well. I mean, Equifax is the big one, and I still think we need to see a lot of people go to jail for that one myself. Maybe that's the populace in me. But uh, this is breaking news. Uber concealed the cyber attack. 57 million people's data exposed your passwords, credit card numbers, social security information. Uh, that sort of stuff is safe. So don't worry about it. Not that Uber has your social security information. At least I hope they don't have your social security information. Now, we need to move on to what I wanted to talk about today. Uh, that would be um, John Conyers. He denies the allegations. John Conyers of Detroit, Michigan. He has been there since 1964. And this is going to set up a huge battle in Congress among Democrats because the younger Democrats in Congress really, 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 really want the old Democrats to go away. They really, 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 really want them to die. Remember, oh, oh, what's his name? Alan Grayson, who said uh, Republican health care strategy is for you to die. That's what the young Democrats in Congress, essentially one of the old Democrats in Congress, they are deeply frustrated. There is not a ranking. Uh, listen to this. Listen to this. This this is your one thing you need to know today. There is not a Democrat with seniority in the House of Representatives younger than age 74. The youngest Democrat in leadership in the House of Representatives is 74. In other words, the youngest Democratic leader in the House of Representatives is older than Donald Trump, who is the oldest man elected president. That's crazy. And it's why the young ones have every intention of pushing this John Conyers story. Wait till you hear all the details.
the employees at Toyo Tire in White, Georgia. That's up in Bartow County. Uh, they all got food poisoning, it looks like. Uh, potentially 1,800 people exposed during a Thanksgiving party. Uh, the party was catered by a restaurant in Cartersville. And a number of people apparently got sick. Uh, 60 people became sick after the party. Um, the sickened employees complained of all sorts of problems, and two of them were hospitalized. My goodness gracious. Uh, one of the employees said everything tasted fine, but later he and a bunch of his coworkers all felt awful. Blech. Man, that's terrible. Okay. Let's talk about John Conyers for a minute. John Conyers was the chairman of the Judiciary Committee when the Democrats were in charge. His wife was the president of the Detroit City Council. She was convicted of taking envelopes of cash in a McDonald's parking lot. I mean, John Conyers has... Um, uh, he has presided over the collapse of Detroit, been its congressman, and seen the whole place go kablooey. You know, he and his wife... Um, I think they dismissed they were going to get divorced, his wife in jail, going to get divorced. Hey, John Conyers is ancient. Elected in 1964, when Detroit was at the height of its power as, as Motor City, and has just seen it go downhill. He's being accused of sexual harassment, among other things. He fired an employee in 2014 who refused his advances. He says he doesn't recall it. Of course, I mean, dude is like Methuselah. But he says he doesn't recall it. Um, but there's a settlement. There is a congressional settlement. Now, what's so interesting here is that BuzzFeed obtained the information from a source, and that source turned out to be Mike Chernovich, the alt-right blogger guy uh, who loves Trump. And he didn't want to run with it himself because he was afraid that it would be immediately discredited, which, I mean, good guess on his part, because that's what some of them are doing now. Uh, Nancy Pelosi, though, has come out and called for an ethics investigation into John Conyers' sexual harassment. Here's the thing, though. There was a system set up to deal with these. Congress has already dealt with John Conyers in private. This whole sending to an ethics hearing uh, situation is kind of nonsensical show trial because they've already covered up for him years ago. But it's probably going to proceed because there is a civil war coming within the Democratic Party and the media would much prefer to focus on the Republicans, but the problem is real simple. The Democrats are ancient in Congress. The old Democrats run the show. Republicans, back in 1994, one of Newt Gingrich's campaign promises in 1994 was to term limit uh, the chairmanship of committees. Because what they saw with Democrats prior to 1994, after a 40-year tenure in, in Washington, running Congress, the Democrats at the leadership had become very corrupt, very out of touch. Uh, and really didn't relate to people anymore. Republicans thought that was a bad thing. So during the, the Republican Revolution of 94, they imposed term limits on the committee chairman. They could only serve for so many years. And that's caused some Republicans to lose their tenure and leave. Uh, 
which is why the Democrats didn't do it, but it kept fresh blood. Your average Republican, I wrote about this at the Resurgent a while back, your average Republican committee chairman is about 20 years younger than the ranking Democrat. Remember, the, the ranking Democrat is the chairman if the Democrats are in charge. So the man who or woman who would be chair of a committee, if the Democrats were in charge, tends to be about 20 years older than the Republican chair of that committee. And young Democrats are really upset about this. They feel shut out, and, and they should. They should. They are being shut out. Uh, and this is going to cause a war among the Democrats behind the scenes, and particular primary challenges. Dianne Feinstein in the Senate is one of those getting a primary challenge by Democrats ready to be done with her. We're going to see more of this happen. Charlie Rose, by the way, has been fired by CBS and now this afternoon uh, by PBS over the sexual harassment allegations. Man, uh, Nora O'Donnell and Gail King this morning just lit into him. On the morning show, I mean, really lit into him. Uh, their sleepless night. Um, it, it was it, the most interesting thing about it, and I didn't see it. I went back and watched it after I read about it, though. Nora O'Donnell read off a teleprompter. Gail King was just um, off the top of her head talking. And he, Charlie Rose has tried to disappear from the limelight today. A photographer called him. He says that they shouldn't use the word wrongdoing. He disagrees with some of the allegations, uh, doesn't think that all of the allegations are true, although by saying that, I suppose, admit some of them are. Uh, you know, so I wrote a piece at The Resurgent today where I've talked to you guys before about uh, this TV show idea I've had. Um, essentially, it's a news-ish program catering to parents my age, roughly 30, 40-something-year-old parents who their worldview, they feel like nothing addresses it. Uh, they're they're scared of losing their kids to the world. They're worried about how to navigate them through the 21st century. They see the world on fire. Uh, madness reigns. Why is this happening? How does it relate to their worldview? And what can they do about it? What can they do for their kids about it? Um, th that's kind of the, the whole idea of the show. And yeah, I, I've been in talks with different people about it, but i got to be honest with you. The more I hear about these stories of people in, in the media who have been there, who have been uh, people that you know, I mean, Charlie Rose, for Pete's sake, um, others behaving badly, just is the industry that poisonous? I mean, I realize I gave up a more significant career than I have by refusing to move to Washington or New York, um, where I got very nice job offers to move to be have larger roles in the media. And I did not want to subject my family to that. I did not want to subject myself to that. I did not want to be on the cocktail circuit. And the more and more I hear about these things, the more peace I have about me just not being in that world. It's not that I distrust myself, but to see that level of corruption in basically like going to Rome um, in the Roman Empire days, I, I want nothing to do with it. I'm, I'm very glad to not be there, even if it's denied me some potential career opportunities. I'm much more content being here with my family, my friends, my church, with you guys. Goodness gracious, it's awful to see. Now, I'm also taking your cooking phone calls tonight in addition to the news, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I can advise you on your Thanksgiving dinner.
Hello there. Y'all, I want you to know that I have put up my chocolate pie recipe at The Resurgent. It is a super easy pie that you can make for Thanksgiving. In fact, I put up a number of recipes at The Resurgent. Uh, buttermilk pie. I put up the gravy recipe. The gravy recipe is there. Uh, a make-ahead breakfast. It's a French toast casserole. And, I, oh, I guess I need to put the chocolate pie recipe up. I thought I did. It is so easy. And it involves lots of raw eggs. So you do need to understand that. It is a refrigerate the it is a refrigerator pie thing because now I will tell you this you make this pie and you're not going to be able to have time to get in the refrigerator because it's going to be gone people are going to eat it so quickly it is delicious I will put it up at the resurgent so you have another pie option for your Thanksgiving meal we'll be back in a few minutes with what the Trump administration's doing to Haiti Nine after the hour, I am Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News, the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. The food preparation has begun, and if you have any questions about it, I'm happy to take those calls in addition to about the news of the day. 404-872-0750-1800-WSB-TALK. Those are the phone numbers. Now, I want to get back into the news of Congress and the tax relief plan. Because it looks like the Republicans have come up now with a plan that is going to give people uh, tax cuts, across the board tax cuts. The wealthy will get the least of the cuts. The middle class will get the bulk of the cuts. They will take away some deductions and credits. They will leave leave in some loopholes that benefit millionaires. Some people are outraged by that. But it's very interesting now that the bulk of the Democratic complaints against this are about what will happen after the year 2027. Because to get this through under reconciliation, the Republicans can only pass a temporary tax plan. They can't pass a permanent tax plan. Because if they pass a permanent remember under the Byrd rule that affects reconciliation in the Senate, if anything increases the national debt, you can't pass it under reconciliation. So there have to be offsets and whatnot in order to get it to to be balanced in terms of tax revenue. Well, the way that they will do this is they will end a lot of the tax relief in 2027. They presume that the next Congress will keep the tax cuts, but that's just the, the legislative accounting sleight of hand they have to do to get it passed. And so the Democrats now are piling on that, uh, piling on the idea that in 2027, uh, this stuff will go away and that's bad. Well, yes, it is bad, but it's for the Congress in 2026 to deal with, is it not? Seems like this is a good way to go. By the way, you should know that the Irish bond market is in turmoil. Now, what does that have to do with you? Well, A lot of major corporations, particularly Apple, has parked billions of dollars in Ireland and other offshore bank accounts because the American tax rate is too high. 
See, if they brought that money here, it would be taxed higher than it is taxed anywhere else in the world. And so Apple parks all of that money in offshore bank accounts and can use that money to fund debt and expenditures abroad and accounting-wise can't use it to fund ventures in the United States. But Apple has already said if we would lower the tax rate to 20%, as the Republicans want, it would repatriate those billions of dollars. And the markets are starting to think the Republicans may just be able to pull off this tax plan. And if so, countries like Ireland are going to be hurt as the United States suddenly has a competitive tax rate again. You would think the Democrats would want to bring those billions of dollars into the United States to be invested in the United States. But they are much more interested in playing class warfare and blaming the president and making it difficult for us to get anything done with the economy because they want the credit for it, or at least they want President Trump to be blamed if something bad happens. By the way, I am more and more convinced a recession of some sort is coming. It's been long enough. We should be headed towards an economic downturn. Things are going so well right now. Something's probably got to give, and a tax cut, this tax reform plan, could mitigate any of that, which is another reason to get it on done. Okay, now, to get into what the Trump administration is doing with Haiti, listen, I am i don't know that I agree in practice, but I agree in principle. In 2010, Haiti was affected, devastated, by a major earthquake. I mean, seriously, it was so bad. I mean, for example, their their parliament, gone. Uh, the presidential palace, gone. I mean, m- the entire, the, the island nation, well, half of the island, the other half is the Dominican Republic. It, I mean, it was virtually wiped out. The earthquake was so strong and so violent. The United States, Barack Obama, allowed 60,000 Haitians into the United States as temporary refugees. They don't get citizenship, but they're allowed to stay. They're allowed to work. They're allowed to earn a living. 60,000 of them were allowed to come. Well, the Trump administration has decided it's been seven years and it's time to send these people home. Now, there is a lot of outrage about it. I am not outraged in principle because temporary is temporary. They were not given a life estate in this country. They were not given an allowance to stay here for life. They were given an allowance to stay here temporarily until the situation in Haiti improves. And, of course, this is a situation where probably if Democrats were in the White House, they would just go on and give them citizenship or something. Here's why I am practically, though, mildly opposed to what's happening uh, with sending these people back. Since that earthquake in 2010, Haiti has suffered a number of direct impacts from hurricanes and massive storms. And it has further decimated the island. Um, The area of the the population center there and the southern part of the island uh, really impacted terribly. And the northern part of the island though largely spared, as a buddy of mine is is reminding me in direct message, it was largely unaffected, but it was affected by the plight and refugees, many people fleeing to the north of the island to escape the damage of the south, overwhelming social services there. Uh, My church funds uh, some rescue missions and, and missionary relief efforts in Haiti. And the horror stories coming out of that island have been devastating, and they haven't really improved because of the storms that have impacted the island. The Dominican Republic is more properly governed. It is, it, it's a better, wealthier 
side of the island. Haiti is a third world country. And I don't have a problem leaving these refugees in this country longer because it does appear, based on international standards, Haiti has turned the corner. It is improving. It's not just trying not to get back on their feet. They try, but then a hurricane comes and smacks them down again. But this isn't a hill for me to die on, and it appears to be for some. The president has made this call, and in principle, I support the president's ability to say, you know what, this was, an, uh, this was a temporary program. You don't get to stay here for life. It's time for you to go home, and now that you're back on your feet financially, go home and help your country rebuild. I get that. The problem is just there's really nowhere for these people to go if they go home. They have no homes. That's why they're here. Uh, but again, it, it's frustrating to me to see the left react to the situation because with the left, it is you're sending these people back to your their death, which isn't true. Now, you're, you're undoing Barack Obama's legacy, which, while it is true, is no big deal. And the other just hysterical, hilarious attacks on the president for doing something that he has every right and power to do. And so it, there is a little part of me, that, though I, I, in practice, wish he wouldn't do this. In principle, part of me thinks, you know what, if nothing else, you need to do this to show that the president can do this, that he does have the power to do this. It's one reason why I wish the the legislature would cut the budget of the federal judiciary, just to show them that Congress still has a role to play in this. And if we don't like what you're going to do, judges, we're going to cut your budget. Get rid of your law clerks. You can do all the work yourself. I think Congress should do that. Because every once in a while, people need to be reminded of the actual constitutional powers these branches have, as opposed to the extra constitutional powers they've just kind of ceded for themselves. So, yeah, it's not my hill to die on. It is 26 after the hour. The phone number is 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I am shocked and appalled at some of you who are outraged at my suggestion of a pie that contains raw eggs. You know, I realized that there was a time in this country where the manufacturer, the manufacturing, the processing of eggs was not as good as it is now. And people could get sick. Some people deathly ill. And if you are a wee child or a very senior citizen, then perhaps you should avoid raw eggs. But have you never tasted raw cookie dough? Seriously? You, you just, you won't taste it because there's a raw egg in it? Do you know how many raw eggs are consumed in a day around this country or even not completely cooked scrambled eggs or whatnot? The odds are you will live your entire life eating a raw egg a day and still not get salmonella than that you would. And if you do, it's probably a mild case. The, the number of people who have to be hospitalized for raw egg-induced salmonella is ridiculously tiny among the pool of people who eat raw eggs. I just, I could, cake batter? You've, you've never licked cake batter off the spatula because you're scared of salmonella? You people have never lived until you've had raw cookie dough or raw cake batter before it's baked. In some cases, oh my Lord, and, and Charlie is now texting me saying that's filthy. Uh, he has no taste though. He doesn't even like desserts. He is weird that way. Um, I, I do believe he's from he's from Montana. There might have been some brain damage from freezing there. Maybe. 
if there was justice. <laughs> I should, that's horrible. I'm sorry. I shouldn't say that. He's texting me in real time, though. I'm just trying. Yep. Okay. That's what I was expecting. Yes. My, my producer, the, the one person in the world who's allowed to say awful things to me down the line or through text message as I'm talking. Nonetheless, raw eggs are not going to kill you. And a raw egg in a chocolate pie that you keep in the refrigerator, it's not like you're going to leave it out in a hot kitchen. It's delicious. Uh, just stop being a worrywart. Get, just e enjoy life. If you get a little sick, well, you get a little sick. But the odds are it's not going to happen. I'm just disappointed in y'all. After the hour, Eric Erickson here, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. The governor of Massachusetts, Charlie Baker, has announced that under Romney Care in Massachusetts, no woman shall be required to pay anything for birth control which was the Obama executive order that um, got ruled inapplicable to religious organizations. Uh, it is now the law in Massachusetts. Y'all, federalism works. Federalism works. If a liberal state wants to have universal socialist health care funded by its state's taxpayers, we should allow them to do that. And you don't have to live there. And if they want to have uh, transgender bathrooms and mandatory gay marriage and you name it, let them be. And if you don't want to live there, you don't have to. And in your state, you don't have to have that stuff. I mean, one of my big issues with the Amazon deal coming to Georgia, frankly, is that uh, we talk about all the jobs, uh, but a lot of those jobs are coming with them. We're going to get a bunch of hipster liberals from Seattle moving to Atlanta completely uh, disrupting the values that we have in our state. And, you know, you already see Atlanta trying to impose its values on the rest of the state, uh, ignoring the rural areas of the state as they sink further into poverty and whatnot. And I just think people in states should be able to disagree on these issues. And if they move into Georgia and then totally blue Georgia, well, guess what? None of us have to stay here. We can all move elsewhere. We have that ability. We are a mobile society. Mobile, don't you like the way I say that? It is to our advantage, but we should let liberal states be liberal and conservative states be conservative. Now, to the phones we go, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Tom, in Atlanta, you are next. Welcome. Hi, Tom. Hi, Lemon. How are you? Hey, good. How are you? Good. Hey, I'm just going to speak very quickly about, I had, I'm a, I do well. I, I live in Atlanta. Um, I, I had no idea how much we were federally, we were subsidizing all these states through these um, state income tax deductions. I don't get why what they're selling this tax deal, they're not articulating that even louder than they are. Obviously, it's been brought up, but I had no idea that I was subsidizing through my federal taxes states like California and, and New York and New Jersey and others that have incredibly high state taxes that continue to utilize that. I'm going to stop talking because I know I have limited time, but 
That, well, to me, is a big deal. It really irritates me. I had no idea. To me, that's a huge selling point. Uh, yes, I think it's a huge selling point, too, Tom. Thanks very much. What Tom is talking about is SALT. They call it SALT, state and local taxes. You know, you get to deduct your state and local taxes on your federal tax code or your federal income tax, and you shouldn't technically because of federalism. It is a completely separate system. And just as you can be charged with murder at the federal level and the state level, it's not jeopardy. You pay taxes to the state and the federal government. They are separate governments. And the problem with deducting state and local taxes is that it has allowed liberal states like California, New York, and Illinois to drastically increase their state-level taxes uh, with really not a lot of accountability from their voters because the voters say, oh, well, I'll get a federal tax break so they can they can do this. Now, interestingly enough, by the way, Georgia is one of those high-tax states. I know we Republicans in Georgia don't like to talk about it, but we actually have a higher tax rate than Illinois, believe it or not. We should have no state income tax. We should have a sales tax government, just like t- Tennessee, Florida, Texas, and the like, uh, which are vastly more economically competitive than we are here. But yeah, I, I don't have a problem getting rid of state and local taxes. The problem that Congress has right now with getting rid of that deduction is that they need the votes of certain Republicans uh, in the House of Representatives. They are afraid to get this deal passed, so they may wind up keeping those deductions. I wish they wouldn't. I wish they would really simplify the tax code, which it doesn't look like they're going to do. Y'all, I just think that the Republicans in Congress should actually simplify the tax code, should actually reduce the number of deductions and credits, should actually reduce the number of brackets, should actually do all of these things. And I just, it's its frustrating to me. I feel less and less to be a Republican. And I was an elected Republican. I'm a conservative, I'm a Christian, but, but I don't really feel bound to the Republican Party anymore. I don't feel like being their cheerleader as much anymore because they're they're doing so many things that just for the acquisition of power, they're not taking risks. You know, when Democrats were in charge of everything, they took risks. They were willing to lose the House of Representatives to pass Obamacare. The Republicans, they, they aren't willing to take those risks. They aren't willing to risk losing power. And as a result, they're probably going to lose power because they don't want to take risks. Just really disappointing to see all of this. They need to go big, and they need to go bold, or they need to go home when it comes to tax reform. And I don't think they're going to. I think we're going to get a half loaf of something. I've got to check the box for a minute. Roy Moore. Check. Okay, we've talked about Roy Moore today. We can move on. Y'all, I got to play this audio for you. Um, I'm going to back this up from from the very beginning. So you're going to hear an Australian news personality, uh, and he's going to, to to transition to a clip of Bob Catter. He is an Australian politician, a member of the Australian House of Representatives. He opposed same-sex marriage, uh, which passed overwhelmingly in Australia. He comes from one of the areas of Australia where it didn't pass. Uh, in, in a ballot. Amazing. There, there was no judicial fiat in Australia. Uh, they have no Anthony Kennedy. Uh, they, they did a democratic process. But anyway, 
Just listen to this. This is the most brilliant transition out of a topic into something random that I think I have ever heard. And a final, final <laughs> observation on the same-sex uh, marriage debate from Bob Catter. I mean, you know, people are entitled to their sexual proclivities. You know, I mean, let there be a thousand blossoms bloom as far as I'm concerned. You know, but I ain't spending any time on it because... In the meantime, every three months, a person is torn to pieces by a crocodile in North Queensland. <laughs> uh, you should just see the, the visual distortion of his face when he, when he gets there. I mean, you know, people are entitled to their sexual proclivities. You know, I mean, let there be a thousand... Blossoms bloom as far as I'm concerned, you know, but I ain't spending any time on it because in the meantime, every three months, a person is torn to pieces by a crocodile in North Queensland. <laughs> well, listen, I would like to spend more time tonight talking recipes with you, but I'm not spending any time on it because every three months, someone's torn to pieces by crocodiles. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Great. I'm going to start using that when we have crazy callers call in say, well, thank you for your question. And I would like to answer it. But every three months, someone's torn to pieces by a crocodile. Oh, wow. Okay. It, on a real note, uh, I'm out of here for the rest of the week. So you guys have a wonderful Thanksgiving. I'll continue posting recipes over at theresurgent.com. You can get the email with the recipes by texting the word SHOW to 444-999. <laughs>